Isn't it good to know that real boats rock? Right? You know, it's, it's one of those things where we get all flabbergasted or whatever word you want to use whenever there's a slight rock in the boat. We're like, oh, we're going to drown. And we're like the disciples thinking we're going to die and not realizing real boats are actually designed to rock. And it's okay when they rock. So thank you for rocking us out this morning, Eric. No, that's not, yeah, no. <laughs> it's good to see our visitors here this morning as well. If you haven't had a chance to fill out one of those cards, it's on the back of the pew in front of you. We encourage you to do so so we can have a record of your attendance. Uh, just some quick reminders this morning before we get into the lesson. Robin had sent out an email, was that Thursday or Friday, about Abraham's tent? It doesn't matter what day it went out. It went out. Uh, and there's a list of things that KPLC had posted about needs for Abraham's tent. Uh, if you want to, you can bring your donations here. We'll stage them in the fellowship hall, and we will get them to Abraham's tent this Friday, if that would help you guys out. We'll, do, we'll take care of that for you. Otherwise, of course, you can take them down there yourself to get the donations to them, if that's what you're wanting to do. But we'll collect them here also. And we actually already have a stack started in the fellowship hall. So if you just want to add to it, that would be fantastic. Want to remind everybody, Life Groups is back on your normal, regular schedule program today. Whatever time you're meeting is what time you're meeting. And I don't know what time everybody's meeting. I know that our group decided that since the clocks went back an hour, we would move our start time back an hour. So our group is meeting at four today, if you didn't get that message. Uh, also, there's new sign-up sheets in the back for the first session of 2022's Life Groups. want to encourage everybody to be prayerfully considering your participation in that. The deadline for sign-up is December 26th. We're planning on starting that session the first Sunday in February. That will give us enough time to get the groups assigned, letters out to everybody to let you know who, what group you're in and who's in your group uh, so that we can get the leaders prepped up and ready for that as it goes forward. Also, there's that sign-up sheet in the back for the Everybody Can Sing seminar we're wanting to start in January. And I encourage you to be prayerful about that. This Tuesday, no, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving is the 23rd. Maplewood Church of Christ has uh, decided that they're going to pick back up with their Thanksgiving service. Encouraging everybody to attend that would be a fantastic deal. Uh, they're going to provide the actual meal. They're just asking those of us that go to provide desserts. I think Robin is going to head that up. She's got a list of stuff going on and trying to figure out who's going. We have made a Facebook event. I know that not everybody is on Facebook, and I understand that and can appreciate that because I can't tell you how many times a week I go, I should just delete this stupid thing. But go to the event page, please, and RSVP so we know how many people are attending, so we know how many desserts we need to bring. Okay, uh, that'll be a huge help for us as we start planning to, to attend that service. And finally, last thing before the lesson. I appreciated Mark's comments about things that we do know, things that we don't know. You know. One of the things that we do know is that frustrations abound after a hurricane. For those of us that have been out of our homes, were out of our homes, are still out of our homes. We understand everything that is going on there. But we also understand and appreciate the joy that comes from moving back into our home. Right? And Kendall and Delaney actually get to experience that this week. But they need help because all of their stuff is not in their home. It's scattered around the lake area. 
And they're asking for some hands that make, would make light work for getting them moved back into their place this weekend. See Kendall, he has the plan. It is a good plan and it is detailed. And her, I mean, you better just be detailed oriented if you're gonna go talk to Kendall about this plan because he has down to the minute of what things are happening and when and where. No, he does not. If you know Kendall, that you know that's not true. But talk to Kendall, he, he does have a plan. I don't know if he knows exactly what the plan is, but he knows he has one. Um, but talk to him if you can help out this Friday or Saturday as they start getting their things moved back into their house this week. All right. We're in First Peter this morning. If you haven't already turned over there, I want to encourage you to do so as we're working our way through First Peter in this series. Yeah, before we get into it, you know, I hesitate to tell the a guy died and he went to heaven and he was standing before the pearly gates jokes because that's really not how it's going to be. I think we understand that, but I got to tell this joke because it makes my point well. So a minister dies, a preacher dies, and he goes all the way up to heaven and he's standing there in the waiting line at the pearly gates because we all know that there's a waiting line to get into heaven. And he's standing there in line at the pearly gates. Ahead of him is this guy, you know, he's dressed in sunglasses, like a loud Hawaiian type shirt, you know leather jacket, jeans. He's looking at him. He's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Well, he comes up to, the, to, the, to Peter, and Peter says, who are you? So that I can know whether or not I can actually admit you into heaven. And the guy replies, well, I'm Joe Cohen, stockbroker, New York City. Peter consults his list, and he's looking at it. He smiles and he's, as he's looking at this stockbroker, and he says, oh, so glad that you're here. Here, take this silken robe um, and, and this golden staff and enter through the gates into heaven. Minister's all excited at this point if the stockbroker gets that kind of treatment. He knows what's coming to him, right? So he walks up there and you know, he kind of straightens himself up. He's, he's feeling pretty good. And he stands, he booms out, I'm Joseph Snow. I'm minister for the church for the last 43 years. Peter, you know, consults his list. He looks at it, he looks at him, he says, okay, hey, well, here's a cotton robe and a wooden staff. Go on in. And the minister's looking at Peter. He goes, just a minute. Hold on a minute, all right? Because that man was a stockbroker. He gets a silken robe and a golden staff. And I, I'm a minister of the gospel for 43 years. I get cotton robe and wooden staff. What's going on here? How can this be? Peter looks at him and he says, listen, man. Up here, we work by results. When he was working, people prayed. When you were working, people slept. But I know that's not a problem here at Enterprise. <laughs> I would like to present to you this morning an uncomfortable truth. I do it often and I'll continue to do it. And here's the uncomfortable truth I'd like to present to you this morning. We have, a, have the same problem that that minister in the story had. And we have a problem with partiality. Now, whether it's food, whether it's clothes, even temperature variations inside our houses, we're partial to something, aren't we? And I think that, you know, there's areas in our lives where we're actually allowed to have that kind of freedom, right? You know, there's no scripture in the, in the Bible that sits there and tells us that all of our houses need to be set at 68 degrees during the summer and 77 in the winter. There's nothing out there that dictates that everybody is supposed to be wearing a specific style of clothing. 
There's nothing in the scriptures that tell us the type of car that we're supposed to be driving or the type of shoes that we're supposed to be wearing. There's a lot of areas in this life that we live as Christians where we have the freedom to be partial. Personally, I'm partial to certain things, and Sonny knows this. It's what's kept us together all of these years. And I think as we, we have personal tastes and different things that go on there, that's okay. But as Christians, there are some areas where we do not have the freedom to be partial. Okay? And the portion of the text that we're going to be looking at this morning in 1 Peter chapter 1 takes us all the way back to the roots of our Christianity and how these roots show A, the true nature of God, and B, how we are expected to have been changed by the nature of God through the gospel, okay? And think about it this way. You go back to Jesus's teachings for a second, right? And you think all the way back to when Jesus was on the earth, he was presenting his teachings, and he is showing us that there are some things that there is just no impartiality about. We cannot be impartial on them. For instance, in Matthew chapter 11, When he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You guys picked up on that one, right? Okay. I am gentle, I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Okay? Or you go to Matthew chapter 22. Verses 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Which law should I be more partial to? Another way we could think of this. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord with all, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Mind, this is the great and foremost command. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Now understand, Jesus, as he's presenting this information to us, and he says, learn from me. Here's here's the law. This is the greatest command. Everything else flows from these things. That when Jesus presents this information to us, this impartiality is based upon the nature of God. Okay? It's all about who God is, his authority, his behaviors. And so this is where we start having a little bit of a trouble, right? Because we see people in a position of authority, for instance. And we think, oh, man, we got we to gotta be partial to that individual in certain ways so that we would not be toward, you know, this lowly plebe that's hanging out over here in the corner. But when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself... Right? We often find ourselves asking the same question that the lawyer asked. Well, pff, who's my neighbor? I need a loophole here so I can figure out who I can be partial to and who I can be impartial to. But look at what Peter says. Based on everything that we've just been talking about, Peter's going to continue this discussion of everything that's going on about what our lives should look like. So join with me as we read 1 Peter chapter 1, 17 through 25. He says, if you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ." 
For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and it's all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. So Peter presents to us an if-then statement, right? This is basically what he's doing here. He says, if you address God as Father, then there's supposed to be certain behaviors that you're supposed to be engaging in as you're living in this world, conducting yourself in fear as you're walking on this earth. Now, whether you think that respect or that fear is earned or not doesn't matter. I know a lot of us in in our lives and we look at things like, I'm not going to respect that person. He's not earned it. Doesn't matter. If you address God as Father then you will treat him as yourself. That is the basis of Peter's point through all of this. Do you respect God? Then respect your fellow man, who, by the way, is created in the image of God. Okay? And we respect God. We fear God, not only because he has proven that he is worthy, but he's also provided the means of redemption. This is, this is where respect comes, this respect and fear of God all comes in. And, and his entire scheme of redemption, when you look at the big picture of what God has done for humanity, do we see any partiality in God through this? That this plan that was established before the foundation of the world Okay, before the creation of the world, God establishes his plan and purpose centered on Jesus that would appear at the proper time in the proper place so that mankind could have the opportunity for salvation. That's all that previous section that we were talking about before. Remember, they were searching times and places where these things would take place, but they were not serving themselves, but serving us. And Peter's point in this entire section that we just read is God did all of this for you. He raised Christ from the dead for you. So show some respect by acting the way he expects you to act. Live the way he's calling you to live. I like how the New Living puts 1 Peter 1, when it says, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other, right? See, now we're actually able to be impartial in our dealings with people. And the reason that we're able to be impartial in our dealings with people now is because we have fully, to the fullest extent, experienced the impartiality of God through the gospel. It's changed our mind. It's changed our viewpoint of life. And it becomes, well, I should say, it should become second nature to us. First nature is loving God. Second nature is loving your neighbor. It 
It's a completely different way of viewing each other. When you go back, look at verse 14, that, that comparison that he makes there again in First Peter. He says, as obedient children do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. See, the way we acted toward people was different before. The motivations were different, whatever. It was different because we were acting in ignorance. We didn't understand. We didn't know what God was doing. Then we experience it, and it changes us. And I think the analogy that Peter continues to work with here is this, uh, he brings in this idea of the seed, verse 23, for you have been born again, not of seed, is a whole lot easier to understand when we go back and look at what Jesus had said in our reading in John chapter 12, right? When he says, truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Okay, so here's the idea Jesus is presenting to us about a seed that falls to the ground, it dies, and then it sprouts. It bears fruit. Peter will say, you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. This is meant to bring about change. This seed analogy, this born again idea, is meant to mean that we are no longer the same that we were before. And then Jesus continues, he says, he who loves his life loses it. See, that's how we acted before in ignorance. He who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And so Peter uses this seed analogy to say that this new life, this, this change of perspective is meant to be imperishable because it's based on the word of God, which doesn't go away. Which, by the way, sidebar, how many of us are absolutely overjoyed to know that the word of God will never go away? Come on, man. Isn't that awesome? I don't care how many of these are burned. It never goes away. It's imperishable. It's awesome to think about. And that's what our life is based on. And how sad is it when we choose to be partial in such a way that we base our lives on stuff that's just going to go away. It's not meant to last forever. And then Peter reminds them it was that word, God's word, that was preached to them, and it was that word that was obeyed by them. And think about this, guys. When we look at Peter's life, Peter has the same problems that we have, okay? Just because Peter is Peter, you know, apostle, writer of, you know, some Bible books, he still has the same problems that we face and struggle with on a regular basis, and that's what I really love about it, right? Uh, in Acts chapter 10, for instance, and we're going to go there here in a second, but in Acts chapter 10, here's Peter, disciple of disciples. By the way, only other guy that ever walked on water, but here's Peter, Sitting there, he's a little bit tired, so he's like, I'm going to go do what all good men do in the afternoon. I'm going to go take a nap. He gets up on the roof of Simon the Tanners, and he has this vision, which, by the way, is a glorious vision of meat. Did you guys ever notice there's no vegetables in that sheet? 
There's a reason for that. Okay, God don't do random. But here's this glorious vision of meat being lowered down in a sheet. And in my view when I read that, it's not a fitted sheet. It's like one of them big old honking king size sheets, you know, angels holding the corners because it's meat. And they're lowering, and it's being lowered down. And, and Peter hears that famous phrase, arise and eat. Now, how many of us would hesitate? Not me. This, this, does this look like a body that hesitates when it's time to eat? No. All right, Peter sees this vision, but there's a problem, right? Because it's got all sorts of meats in there. There's some pork in there. And pork, you know, for the Jewish people, that's unclean. So they're not, no, not me, Lord. No, nothing unclean has ever passed through these lips. She comes down. She comes down. Look at verse 34 of Acts chapter 10. Which, by the way, as awesome as this story is about the Lord telling us to eat meat, it's really not about meat. Okay. Verse 34, opening his mouth, Peter said, now, by the way, this is when he's in the presence of the Gentiles. I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging on him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen before him by God, that is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been anointed, appointed excuse me, by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Now I most certainly understand that God was teaching me a lesson, not about food, but about people and who are worthy of the gospel. Which, by the way, even though Peter will say, now I most certainly understand that God is not one to show partiality, it will be something that he will struggle with later in life. In Galatians chapter two, Paul writes, when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. And so Peter, 
addresses the issue of sincerity and hypocrisy and, and partiality. And how different is Peter than us to openly and willingly ad- address a failure that, w- that people know about, by the way, and use it to teach godliness? Willing to not try and hide the failure, but to use it to show people what godliness actually looks like and how this was failure, hypocrisy. It was insincere. It was partial. But now that I most certainly know the truth, I see what God is doing and what he wants, not just for me, but for every one of us. but we're not going to be able to embrace this attitude until we remember the basics. To go just back to the beginning every day. To remember that God was impartial in his judgments, is impartial in his judgments, continues to be impartial in his judgments. That each man will answer for his own actions. Knowing this, knowing that's the standard, will lead us to a healthy fear and respect that changes our lives and changes our behaviors if we are willing to be obedient. And the minute we forget that, the minute we choose to ignore that, means that we have forgotten what God has done for us. And it will lead to a partiality in our dealings with people. So I'll ask you the question, who are you unwilling, absolutely unwilling to present the gospel of Jesus to? Who are you absolutely unwilling to act Christianly around? Because I think we've got some partiality issues. Not just here, but all of us. All of God's people have this problem. I think that we're comfortable being a Christian to uh, the single mom who's having some troubles. Got babies at home, trying to figure out what life is like, how to, how to deal with those things. I think that we can, it's very easy for some of us to be compassionate to that. How are we with the alcoholic? That was a little easy. How about the drug addict? What about the homosexual couple? Are not all worthy of the gospel, of worthy of hearing the gospel. That doesn't mean that all will embrace it and all will obey it. 
but we don't get to choose who gets to hear it. Our light will shine brightest when we remove any partiality that we will have in our hearts and our minds. God's people are like the sun. I'll leave you with this closing analogy. God's people are like the sun. How many of us enjoy the benefits of the sun on a regular basis? What happens when the moon covers the sun? Oh, just partially. I don't need a full eclipse. I just get a little sliver of it. Does the sun function the way that it's purposefully designed to function for the earth? That even a partial eclipse dulls the brightness. My prayer for each of us, myself included on this, guys, because, uh, listen, I've got the same problems Peter had. But my prayer for each of us and myself is that the spirit of partiality can be removed from our hearts and our minds. That we can be a people who love God, who love our neighbor. And that we can shuffle off all of that previous life, everything that was done in ignorance before because of the experience and knowledge that we have now. I think we can do that. I think it's, in, it's possible for us to accomplish that. But we have to be honest and we have to remember where we are and where we came from. Eric's going to stand and lead us in a song here in a second. This is the opportunity, an opportunity, that God presents before each of us here this morning at Enterprise. That perhaps we're struggling with these concepts of partiality and that we're, we're like Peter who sat up on that roof and God's like, hey, dummy, smack. Hey, dummy, smack. Nope, not me, Lord. Never once have I un- made myself unclean by doing that. And we've come to a realization this morning that now you most certainly understand that God is not partial to anyone. And you're ready to remove that attitude and that approach to life and live the way God's calling you to live. This is the opportunity. I, I say it, and I think it, sometimes it goes in one ear and out the other, but I really do believe together is better. And when we are able to make confession together to be better together, we can fat more quickly accomplish what God is calling us to be. Slough off the old attitudes. Embrace the life that Jesus has given you. And maybe you're ready to truly embrace what life is. The master said that I came that we could have life and have it more abundantly. And I think at times we imagine ourselves floating around on a little cloud and that just sounds like life. That doesn't sound like life at all to me. That sounds boring. That he's talking about a life lived now, an abundant life now that is made available because he was willing to be obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. His death isn't even the end of the story, praise God. That he was buried and he was raised and he has ascended to the right hand of the Father and he accomplished that so that all the world would know that salvation is available. Make the confession of him as Lord. Put him on in baptism. Be raised a new creature. Whatever we can do for you this morning, the elders encourage you to make it known by coming forward while we stand and sing.